he's here now. And Brooke's off in Chicago. Meanwhile, Mike wants cheese. I'm Michael LaFaver. And I'm Ryan Matlock. We're two divinating fans of Beyond Gilead. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and you're listening to part three of our review of the Return to Peru trilogy by John Fornoff and Lori Twitchell. So join us for episode 97 on our return to Gilead. Yeah, not really on the, the haiku, just tying into the theme of what we're talking about, seeking <laughs> God's will. I thought there's a there's an adjective, not not condoning divination. Fair, fair enough. Uh, anyway, why don't we listen to the clip of the day for episode two, since we missed it in the last part, uh, and talk about its implications for this part. All right. Oh, Brooke, I can't tell you how deeply I want to take you in my arms and tell you that you can't go. <laughs> but your father's right. At some point, we need to let you start making the hard decisions on your own. <clears throat> you know where we stand. We don't think this is what God is calling you to do, Brooke. But you need to make this decision and know in your heart that it's the right one. Well, I'll start by highlighting a couple positives of this clip, then I'll pass it off to you, Ryan. Sure. Something I appreciated about the moral of this episode or the theme that's being presented is how closely the Morrison parents and Brooke are relying on God and how they all defer to him for the source of all wisdom and for direction on where they should go. And that comes across in Jill Schellebarger Mueller's acting when she's talking with Brooke, Laurie Krieg, and getting choked up about it, where she realizes, uh, Mary realizes, even if this is something that she doesn't have peace about, Brooke does have peace about it. And so that's hard for her to reconcile. And so because she trusts Brooke and because it's hard to know what God's will is, she defers to Brooke on this one. So the minutia of this were something that we discussed uh, a little bit in a previous recording, but I want to try to rehash this here in this recording. So Ryan, what's what's the deal with this episode here? And if you want to tie it into a future episode, you can also do that. But what's going on here that uh, you've got an issue with? Well, so here's, I think, the crux of my argument is that there is something going on here where the characters are trying to discern the will of God which there are verses that talk about doing the will of God. But those verses generally are not saying, try to discern what God wants you to do as if he has this perfect answer in his hand. And if you just guess what it is, you'll be golden. People kind of treat God like he's got this flow chart of, okay, the next thing that you're supposed to do is take this job. And then after that, you're supposed to get married to this person. And after that, you're supposed to uh, give this amount of money to this person on the street. When that's not really how God's will works. The way that I read the Bible and I see the Bible telling me to act is that God tells us to do and not do specific things. So, for example, he tells us to uh, exemplify the fruits of the spirit. Uh, that's a thing that he tells us to do. And then a thing that he tells us not to do, steal, lie, cheat, etc., all of those things, if we are doing the things he's telling us to do and not doing the things he doesn't tell us to do, we are acting within his will. That's what I believe that the verses that say, do the will of God, are saying is to make sure that you're in alignment with what he has told us. Yeah, that's a fair interpretation, especially because hearing directly from God, do this, is very rare. Right, right. None of the characters in this story have heard an audible voice from God. All of them are trying to guess what God wants them to do, and all of them are unfortunately 
doing so semi-based on feelings and their general disposition towards a decision. And some of that's based on whether they think it's wise to do or not. Like Brooke thinks that this is wise to do because she sees all the fruit it could bear. And the parents think that it's unwise to do because they see all the opportunities that could be missed. The problem is that neither of those are based on a scriptural interpretation. Like Brooke sees a way that she could bear fruit, but there are plenty of ways that anyone could bear fruit, right? Like I could bear fruit right now by driving to the downtown uh, near me, finding a homeless person and giving them a hundred bucks. That would be a kindness I could extend. But I could also do the same thing by driving to uh, uh, a soup kitchen and giving those hundred dollars to the soup kitchen to use to feed someone else. I could bear fruit in about a dozen different ways, actually probably endless infinity different ways. But one way doesn't necessarily come out as better than another way just because it is in front of me. So that means that for Brooke, she sees one way she could bear fruit and thinks that because it's in front of her, it's an, it's an opportunity that God's telling her to do it. That's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Now, the Bible does have something to say about, you know, God gives us talents and abilities and he wants us to use those to bring about uh, a fruitful return. Yeah. You know, we have the parable of the... Uh, the people who God gave talents to and he gave like 10 to one person and that guy brought back 10 more. He gave five to another. That person brought five more. Each God according was to with their those ability. Oh, don't. <laughs> no, 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 really. Yes. Because Brooke's ability, yes. she has demonstrated that she is capable of this in Peru. Yes, exactly. And then the last person, he gave them abilities and they returned nothing. And that's the one person God was displeased with. So to a certain extent, Brooke could take a look at that verse take a look at that verse and say okay i have the ability to bear fruit here so i want to do that because that's how i feel convicted to ple- to please god and that would be totally okay but that's not what she says in this episode she talks a lot about how she feels called to it how she thinks that god is calling her to it just because it's basically it's an opportunity that's in front of her and that seems to indicate that her theology is that if you feel like something is sort of tugging on your heart, then that's God telling you to do something. Well, can I add to this a little bit? Sure. So in the third episode, when she's eventually turned down by, what's his name, Greg Tracy and Scott Green, she says, this was really a way that I wanted to use my my abilities and, and for these kids because they need this help right now. And this, the discussion in the third episode becomes more of, I know that I would be able to make a positive impact here, regardless of my age. I'm willing to sacrifice that. Yes. But then even on the parents' side, they're saying, we don't think you should do this because we don't want you to miss school. Mm-hmm. And that also doesn't have any tie back to like, here's what the Bible says you should do. So really, the parents also are subscribing because the mom says, we don't think God has called you to this because we don't think it's a wise decision. But that doesn't mean God has called or not called someone to it. Mm-hmm. It almost turns into a manipulative conversation of, I think God said this. And then the other person says, I think God said something different than this. When truly God hasn't said either thing to either person. And we see that by the outcome of the episode which is that 
Brooke neither goes nor does not go to Peru. Uh-huh. And so that's that's where I feel the problem is that the parents have a, a lack of peace about it. Brooke has a total peace about it. And both of them are wrong. But the episode seems to be perpetuating the idea that that's how we should discern God's will is based on our feelings about it rather than just recognizing that that's not what God's asking us to do in the first place. He doesn't want us to beat ourselves over the head thinking, ah, man, job number one or job number two, which is God's will for me to choose? Really, it's more about is the opportunity in front of you going against God's will? And if, or is it going against what God has said in the Bible not to do? And if it's not doing that, then is it something that would allow you to bear fruit and please him? In which case, feel free to do so. That's within your parameter to choose. So I'll offer this. I think the episode is saying that Brooke was right and her parents were wrong. And I'll explain why. In the third episode, she, at the end of the episode, Brooke is talking with her parents about how this this situation was similar to Abraham and Isaac, where God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham didn't understand why, but he fully committed to it. And her parents draw from that Brooke's implication that, oh, maybe God was seeing how far you would actually go to serve him in this way. And Brooke says, yeah, maybe he was seeing how far you would let me go. So I think the implication to draw from that is that as far as Brooke knew, she could go to Peru. And if the position was being offered to her and she went, there's no way we could tell if she was right or wrong, because like you're saying, these deci- it's not necessarily better or worse to go to college or to go on- in missions. It's like tying back to season three, episode one, power play. Uh, God can use you no matter what you do. So here, if Brooke did that and she had a sense of peace about it, I think she would be in the right. I think she still is in the right and that her parents are in the wrong by saying, we don't want you to go. However, if they had said, we don't want you to go and we're going to prevent you from going, like Haley thinks they're going to do, then yeah, they would be in the wrong. But by letting her go, I think what Brooke is saying at the end, that she's seeing that as God was trying to open up your hearts to say, well, even if you don't have a sense of peace about this, this is your your daughter's an adult. She can make these decisions on her own. How far do you trust her and how far will you support her? And I think they proved that they do support her by taking her all the way to Chicago and opening up the door for her to be able to go on the trip. Like not only saying, okay, you can do this, but we want to have nothing to do with it. Actually driving her out there and giving her support in this. So Right, which I do appreciate. I'm wondering if after the last season, Lori Twitchell went into the first episode of the, of the next season thinking – okay, well, I want to make it clear who's in the right and who's in the wrong here and see what kind of things we can draw out from this. And so she worked in that moral to say like, yeah, even though her parents were a little bit negative toward her going, that wasn't, it wouldn't have been right to stop her because God was also working on them. And if you want to flash forward to when good men do nothing, we could jump there a little bit and reference that because I think that episode also talks about it's more than, and that that written by John Fornoff talks about it's more than just a feeling from God you might need a sign to actually discern God's will. But maybe that just complicates things. We don't have to go there. I'll leave it back to you. Ball's in your court now. Uh, I mean, we can talk about that. We could talk about it a little bit now. I feel like that's probably going to be the lion's share of what I would like to talk about the next time because that's basically the entire episode. But talking about it briefly, in the next episode, when everyone is talking to John about what they think he should do, 
they do all phrase it. Uh, either they think that he should run for mayor or they think God thinks that he should run for mayor. And in the places where they say, I think you'd make a great mayor, don't have a problem with that. They're accurate. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But when it comes to them saying, I think God wants you to do that, they're saying that based purely on the assumption that Monica shouldn't be mayor and John is a good candidate. Therefore, God has called him to it, which I feel is a bit rocky because I could name basically any other protagonist character who is an adult who would also make just a fine, just as fine of a mayor. That doesn't mean that God has called them to it. It means that John Fornoff has called him to it. <laughs> right. And God calling someone to something like first off, Going with this whole theology that I am proposing, which I recognize is not like as far as like Gilead and Adventures in Odyssey, it's not exactly how either talks about God's will. Both of them, I feel, kind of skirt around the idea of exactly how to discern God's will Well, in favor of, you know, a, a plot that just sort of works itself out in the end. Although we're talking beyond Gilead or Beth Culp's down Gilead Lane. Beth Culp doesn't exactly usually have any episodes where someone says, I feel called to this. Okay, so it's just a beyond thing. Anyway, continue. Yeah. The problem is there aren't any verses that say, here is how to hear God's voice telling you to do very specific things within your life. You can read the Bible to discern the heart of God and sort of how to make sure that all of your actions align with him as best as possible. But that's not going to help you decide necessarily between, okay, do I eat a ham sandwich tonight or do I eat a cheese stick? Minute decisions versus uh, moral decisions are two different things. And whether you should go, whether you should run for mayor or not is not necessarily a moral decision, right? Right, right. Uh, Except the way it's presented in that episode, we'll get to it is sort of a standing up for the oppressed scenario. And that's, do we want to go there or do we want to save it for that? For that, I mean, that'll be next time, I think. Okay, we'll save it for then. And furthermore, there's, you could say a lot about what God is specifically calling you to do as far as his plan, but you could also say anything you do, like I think what you're saying, anything you do can fit within that framework because God can use anything and God already knows the choices we're going to make. And that gets into Calvinism and Arminianism and stuff like that. And I don't know where I stand on that. I think I, I think I do, but I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole that's a whole topic that I'm. I mean, we to don't talk even about. have to get into that. No, right. it's like it's still like without even going into either of those, we're able to discern. Okay, God knows what we're gonna do one way or another. Some of that is not His will for our lives, and that's specifically sin when we act against Him. His will for us would be like we we have an idea of what his will for us is because Jesus even says it. He says that the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Second, just as important is to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So if those are the two most important things to God, then really that's the easiest litmus test for, okay, am I acting within God's will? Am I doing these two things in whatever I'm about to do? And if the answer is, yes, I am, then you're probably pretty golden. Yeah, I would add on to that the Great Commission that Jesus gives that in all we do, we're to go out in the world and make disciples. And For sure. 
you know, you could say that Brooks aligns more closely with that than what her parents are are proposing in this episode. I agree with that. And from what the from how the episode frames it, when we get Brooks going against the status quo of going to college and or finishing her finishing high school on time and she goes and investigates, it eventually works itself out that that door closes. And the phrase is put in this episode. Does this sound familiar? Sometimes when God closes the door, he opens a window. I Can I mention, I just really don't like that phrase. Who enters a window? Who exits a house through a window? Why? There's a, There are people who use that phrase and they say, when God closes one door, he opens another. Why do we have to throw windows in all this? Because it's a pun, Ryan. It's a pun. He opens a window. He opens something, a window. Get it? It's something that's not a door. It's just a... We can move on from that if you want. Just ignore that if you want to not pretend that didn't happen. I don't... Anyway. No, it's not a pun. Oh. It's just the wrong... uh, It's the wrong thing to open. Okay, it's an anti-pun then. So, anyway, that phrase, and when they say that, they're referring to the fact that Brooke won't be able to go... Or they they don't want Brooke to go because they believe she's too young. So now that Brooke's actually talked with them and had this open and clear communication, she understands what all the parameters are. And so it's not necessarily a question of, do I have to skip high school? The question's been made easier for her. Now, there might be another scenario, like maybe the, the next episode, where things are a bit more difficult on what exactly the choice is and what it should be. And we'll get to that one then. But for this one, what do you think of the way that it was resolved? Brooke's line about maybe God was trying to see or maybe God was trying to test how far you would let me go. Again, maybe that's the case. The difficulty is that this is fiction. So Mm -hmm. I can't be like, well, that is a that is a thing that exactly happened. And so now we can just we can try to determine what God did because Mm -hmm. God didn't try to do anything with the fictional story other than tell it through John Fornoff and Laurie Twitchell, possibly. Sure. But as far as how I would view that, maybe that's the case. But just as likely, I would say, is possibly the case that God isn't doing that. Like, because if let's put it this way, if God isn't trying to get either Brooke or the parents to guess what's on his mind about what what she should do, he's just putting an opportunity in front of her And if she takes it, great. If not, there are other things God can do to utilize Brooke for good works. The question then is, did... So if the question is then, did God put this opportunity in front of Brooke just to test her and see if she would be willing to go through with it? I'm going to give an example here. And I think it's basically kind of what the episode is kind of trying to parallel. And that's of Abraham and Isaac, right? Yeah. So the story goes, Abraham was told by God to sacrifice Isaac. He goes, he does it uh, like he gets right up to the moment where he's about to sacrifice him. And then God sends an angel to say, no, don't do that. And provides a lamb instead. There are multiple interpretations of this passage because um, all we know as far as what the Bible tells us is later, I believe it's Paul who builds upon this story And says that Abraham did this by faith and reasoned that God would be able to raise Isaac from the dead. Well, that's That's Hebrews, right? uh, Oh, right. Oh, you're right. So we don't know if it's Paul and it's probably not Paul. It's someone. But whoever it was, that's what we know of that story. Now, lots of people interpret the story to mean a couple different things. Some people believe that 
this uh, God telling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac was God testing Abraham to see if he would be faithful to anything that he asked of him. Other people interpret this story to be that God was testing Abraham to see if he would do something that was wrong. So some people think that God basically said, hey, sacrifice your son, something that you shouldn't do, by the way. In fact, we know that from later in the Bible, it talks about some of the wicked kings of Israel and how they sacrificed their sons in the fire. And that was a bad thing. So some people interpret this to say God asked something of Abraham that Abraham shouldn't have done to see if Abraham would do the bad thing. Uh, Kierkegaard, I'll put a reference there, has a very interesting perspective on this, if you guys want to go read him. Oh, okay. So those are two different interpretations. And the thing about both of them is that neither of them are based on something that the Bible spells out for us, right? Like, there's not a verse that says, God did this for this reason. Uh, Yeah, you have to read into it. Right. So both of those are reading into it. I could do the same thing here with Brooke. I could say, God sent this opportunity that turned out to be temporarily fruitless for the moment, like until later, she's she's not going to be able to serve with the missions anyway. But he sent her there to test and see if she would go through with it. Simultaneously, it could be God sent this to test and see if she would trust her parents or not on this. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that's where Ooh, yeah, that's a good I look point. at both and I say, I say either of those fine. I would rather ask questions that are based on like, I'll put it this way. Both of those questions are theorizing about what God thinks without any way to determine a clear answer, Mm. which there's nothing wrong with doing. There's just something wrong with saying, you know, the answer when it's not possible to be determined to be decidedly clear about it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'll ask in the context of the second episode with Brooke and the the conversation with her parents. I I know there's a lot between them about I don't I have a sense of peace about this. I feel I feel like this is what God is calling me to do. And the parents say we don't have peace about this. Question is, do either of them do any of them actually say we know this isn't what God wants for you? No, they say I don't think. Mm -hmm. Okay, which is, in my opinion, it's kind of saying I don't know 100%, but I'm pretty sure I know, you know? Hmm. Well, another angle from this, I'll ask this. If this were in real life and I was going to do something that my mom was like, and I I do trust her, where she was like, oh, I really don't feel like that's a good option. I don't have peace about that. There's something within me that's disturbed by that. Maybe even something spiritual that this is, there's not something right here. Would that be out of her, uh, her purview? to to say that or to exercise that influence personally i feel that if someone doesn't feel right about something it's their responsibility to tell you why mm-hmm. okay. so if someone says hey i don't have a piece about you doing this action and then i say okay i'd love to hear the reason behind it and they say i just have a feeling that's not very strong Okay. But if they say, well, I've thought about it, and have you considered this? I don't think that it would be wise to do because of A, B, and C reason. And if I say, okay, I agree with A and B and C, those are things I hadn't considered, and now I need to take into account. That's all right. But if I hear A, B, and C, and they're 
like I, I'm able to discern, well, those are based on some significant assumptions that aren't based on anything that's firm as a foundation. Then that's also within my purview to say, I'm sorry, I, I wish that you felt better about this, but I have to keep moving forward because those aren't compelling. Now, when it comes to a parent, you want to treat that super carefully because you don't want to just write off a parent. But even so, I think, especially for a parent, it's almost more important for them to show that they have a strong foundation for why they're concerned about something. Because if they're your parent, they should be concerned for your well-being enough to think through why they're concerned about something before bringing something to you that might just be pointless. Okay. Like that's, that's acting in wisdom. If you're, if you call someone out on something just because you have a feeling and you haven't thought it through and you don't care to think it through, that's not very loving to them. So would you agree in saying that the parents were right to overlook that sense of, or that lack of peace? See, the difficulty is I don't feel that they entirely overlooked it because even if they had a firm lack of peace, which I think they actually kind of do in this episode, like they make it clear, like the mom is tearing up in sobs because she is so disturbed at the thought of what Brooke might do here. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that she's exactly overlooking her peace so much as holding it firm and saying, like, you don't know how much I want to pull you away from this. That seems like a pretty firm opposite of overlooking her lack of peace. What she's rather doing is saying, even though I have this lack of peace, I recognize my rights and your rights and my right. I, d I have no right to stop you, even though I'm going to uh, continue to affirm my lack of peace. So by the end of the episode, let's say that. Brooke had heard what her parents had said and went, yeah, this isn't right. And then didn't follow up with the organization there. I don't think there would have been that growth for the parents for John and Mary that we see in this episode, because I do think John and Mary grow a little bit here Yeah, in learning how far they need to let Brooke go because she's an adult now. Would you agree with that? Or do you think this episode is totally unsalvageable? No, there's plenty that's good about it. This is just the one point where I think that theologically it pushes some ideas that aren't quite great. I do think that it's great that they exemplify that even if you don't have a piece about something, you need to leave the decision for what to, uh, an 18 year old child does up to the child or rather the adult now, because that's their right. Mm -hmm. it, you're not going to prepare your children to go out into the world if you basically make them your endless servant beholden to your desires and your decisions you do have to let them go and i think that it's great that the parents do that in this episode mm -hmm. i guess what i'm saying is that i think there was more room for both brooke and the parents to grow because i think by the end of the episode it's pretty clear from the contents of the next episode that everyone still has this view that god basically speaks hidden messages to our hearts that we have to try to guess at uh, in order to fulfill his will. We'll get to it in the sec the next episode. Right. To a certain extent, yes. And and that's, I think, just a bit of a... I, I, I feel like that's a bit of a damaging perspective just because it leads to lots of scenarios where people beat themselves over the heads because they haven't 
guessed at God's will and they're second guessing themselves constantly when I feel like it, the Bible makes it pretty clear that that's some stuff that God just kind of leaves up to us to decide because it doesn't say that God gave 10 talents to the person. Then the person went out and invested those and brought back 10 more. And God said, you weirdo, I wanted you to invest in this company. You failed to discern my will. Yeah, good point. So, so yeah, but all of that said, it's still an okay episode. I enjoy a lot of the points of it. And like, these are all very deep questions that a lot of people ask at one point or another. And I just, uh, this is a point where I've been in this kind of scenario and I've, I've gone at points in my life where I'm like trying to make a big decision back when I didn't think the way I do here and I, that I've been talking about in this episode of mm-hmm. the podcast times when I've not known what to do. And I've gone to episodes like uh, from Adventures in Odyssey uh, with Connie and Mitch trying to discern God's will in that whole album 40, album 41 saga. And I wasn't able to get any answers. <laughs> there wasn't much other than like a few verses like there will be a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it, which is a verse about morality, not about which job you should take or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just came up with nothing. And I had to ask myself, is this really how God asks us to think? And so that's where this episode, I can still appreciate all the scenes because they're very heartfelt scenes. I love the acting from uh, the character, the actor for Mary and John and Brooke. They're all great. There's even great conversations between like Mike and Justin and, uh, Mr. Taylor, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, and they're all great scenes. It all tells a really great story. The one place I just get hung up on is the theology that I think people could benefit from thinking about a little bit more thoroughly. Well, you know, we do have interviews with these writers somewhere in the world. Oh my goodness, we do. <laughs> I mean, oh no, <laughs> that's the thing. I would love to have them on. And I know that I would love to than, hear their perspective. They're more than happy to re-listen to the episodes and talk about this from what I'm I've happy heard to be proven them. wrong if there's something I'm missing. And I would ha- be more than happy to turn it over to them and over to our audience to duke it out with Ryan in the comment section, because, even though we don't have a comment section. But, you know, if you guys want to talk about this more, if you agreed with anything in this one, disagreed with anything please let us know send in the voice message talk to us about this we'd love to have this discussion even further than we've taken it here which is probably an extended episode at this point but yeah thanks for sharing that ryan i I do appreciate your analysis of theology thank you so let's end the episode on a high note how about we do that please there are a couple things that i haven't brought up yet how about scott green and what's what's his name greg tracy what do you think about them i like them they were all right yeah I, i was glad they didn't end up being like these like mega church sleazy pastors or something like that. <laughs> and they, they actually seem to have a heart for the, the ministry, which was good. Yes. They had very level heads too. Like they, they handled, Oh, you're, you're not a, a, a mother or like, like an adult. Yeah. He, he walks out and, and like says, Hey, Brooke Morrison. And goes to shake Mary's hand. And she's like, Oh, I'm not Brooke Morrison. <laughs> so he goes to shake but, John's yeah, hand. We... Brooke Morrison. <laughs> 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 no anyway Go, goes to shake zach's hand <laughs> Zach, he just jumps out of the the speaker <laughs> that's funny breaking the fourth wall anyway no so that's the third episode here in this quote-unquote trilogy 
But then there are a couple other scenes that I thought were really funny, like the Morrisons raking leaves and, hey, actually having a fun family cleaning day, am I right? <laughs> that was great. Yeah. I liked that. That was a very tender scene. Yeah. I liked it. And another thing, I think the, the pizza line that we'd mentioned earlier that was a Laurie Twitchell line about how many countries or uh, France and Germany eat twice as many, twice as much cheese as America, people in America do. That was written by Laurie Twitchell. And I think it, it yes. shows because Laurie's the one who sneaks in little tidbits like that. She did it in A Time to Go and A Time oh, to Stay Part Laurie? 1. Yeah, that was Laurie. Oh, yeah, it was Laurie. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the blog, weblog, that's actually relevant here. Again, we're so far removed from W. Mark Whitlock that I, I like how the references and the little tidbits do tie in to the episode and make it more interesting rather than being in the pocket. Yeah. I I think that was for Smash Rodriguez, who we don't even get to hear as a character and is just a traumatic part of my memory. Anyway. It's a it's a Chekhov's gun kind of situation. Yeah, it didn't get like, brought up. If you introduce a tidbit that you like really focus on, it needs to do something later, and it doesn't. But here, it pays off in the joke. Yeah. And there is one scene that I think we should end on that's... I, I don't know what you'll think about this, Ryan, but go ahead and play the clip of the day for the last part. That's it, Beck. That's how we'll get to school. Forget worrying about loans and all that stuff. We'll go on pizza. <laughs> The stuffed crust student fund. <laughs> you could graduate in mozzarella cum laude. <laughs> they give you a personal pan professor. You'd be deep dish delegates. <laughs> That's it. We've solved the college issue. The tailors will be pepperoni pupils. Oh. <laughs> can, can we stop the pizza? I love it when people treat alliteration like it's puns. <laughs> alliteration annoys. <laughs> See... I like Luke's line at the very end. Okay, can we stop with the... <laughs> sure, sure, we can stop. <laughs> this is what I mean by the difference between Laurie Twitchell and John Fornoff. This is Laurie's best attempt at humor, and it's charming. It's fine. It's fleetingly fine? Uh, Fancifully fine. That's no, better. You see, you're a punster. You're not an alliteration master, right? Oh. Well, uh, I mean, I can do both. I'm I think... Not... See, if I were to make a pun out of this, I would say that she should get a fine. Right. If they don't pick up after the pizza, then this scene was alliteration. <laughs> Let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that caps off the Return to Peru trilogy, a three-parter spanning wow. three episodes. And we're in season eight now. Hey, how about that? That was that was quick. This whole season or... I mean, the whole season has kind of felt quick, I think partially just because it's kind of been all over the place, you know? Mm -hmm. First there were socks, then there was a bit of... Peru, Karens. And then we went on a journey, and then we went back to Peru, and now we're done. And also in the middle, Tom accepted Christ, which was cool. Yes! And Jack came on the podcast, so a lot of things, and depending on what happened yesterday, um, interview, I think... I don't know. Maybe tomorrow. Possibly. Who knows, Who knows at Ooh, this point? I'm having a terrible week. Does. Anyway, next time on Return to Gilead, we'll be reviewing 8-2, When Good Men Do Nothing, which we've alluded to several times. Ryan, why don't we just jump ahead and record that one right now? Why don't we? In the meantime, I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time as we once again return to Gilead.
Notice how I conveniently skipped how to contact us. <laughs> you sneak. <laughs> if anyone wanted to contact no! us, they would do so. <laughs> I'm muting by you. By pulling out their phones and throwing them into the sea. <laughs> then going up to a stranger Ryan, and asking them if they have no, a phone to replace their phone. Because now they don't have the a episode. phone. Please. And once go. they did that, they would use that phone to go to returntogilead.com. The sound of my head hitting my desk. We need to record this, please. It's a lovely sound. Ah. Okay.